From Orange County, California, you are listening to Taking Flight with Captain Michael Rocket Blackstone. That almost sounds like a fake name. Maybe Marvel's next superhero? Might want to check into that. This is a different type of aviation podcast that is not hosted by a tech geek know-it-all or communist sympathizing wacko, no. Lucky for you, I am your host. With over 30 years and 30,000 hours of flying high-performance aircraft all over the world, 21 years at a major airline, and with over 25 years in the extremely challenging flying business, I hope to become your personal coach to get you started in your career in aviation as a pilot and to help you identify and survive this industry's many pitfalls and booby traps along the way. This podcast is my personal commitment to helping you succeed in making your dreams of flying for a living or as a hobby come true. We're trying to avoid that happening to your career because that's got to hurt. Well, welcome back. You are listening to Taking Flight with Michael Rocket Blackstone. We are on episode six. And uh, just a recap from last time, we did an episode five, uh, the final transcon flight in our Beach 18 across the country. What an epic uh, trip that was. That airplane really reminds me a lot of the time I had spent with my dad. The Beach 18 really uh, was for my dad. It was after he had retired from the airlines in 2007, I had always noticed that my dad missed being an airline pilot. So when I got an opportunity to do something with my dad later in my career, I decided that a Beach 18 was going to be the perfect airplane for he and I to play airline pilot together and let him do his Jimmy Stewart impressions, which he always did, and entertain people as a captain of an airliner and entertain people with with the passion that he has with aviation. So as I did that episode, it made me want to do episode six as a little remembrance and tribute to my father uh, who, who passed away in 2015, August 19th of 2015 to cancer and not to not to get sympathy uh, for for the loss of my father. He was only sixty seven years old, but to remember why I learned to fly, and and it, and it was because of my dad. He was so so fun and so passionate about aviation. He he always made made it like it was a game, you know, to go out and, and get an airplane together and gather up some people and and literally go for an airplane ride that was the the way he would he would introduce aviation to people this is let's go for an airplane ride just for fun and take you out to Catalina and give you a, a buffalo burger and, and 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 talk airplane stories for hours and everything was a story it was something great about aviation from flying across the country in our beach 18 from the east coast to the west coast with my dad as my co-pilot and and he'd go back in the back and be smirking and smiling and uh having a power bar and a and and reclining the seat all the way flat and putting his feet up on the other seat just to just to to show how much fun he was having always smiling um 
many, many things that I learned from my father along the way are going to be with me now forever. And these types of things that that I can share with you now, the top 10 list of the things that my dad taught me about flying that keep me safe while I fly, and, and I could share them with you now. And I, and I will do that. I'll give you a list. Number one that he always told me was to always time your flight. And, you know, being a, a younger guy with a, with a Timex or Casio G-Shock watch, the bigger the watch, the better for most pilots, as you, as you know, uh, always had to have a stopwatch feature that you could easily get to and hack the clock so that, a, that I could time the burn He'd always tell me, you need to time the burn that you're flying the aircraft so that you know how much fuel you have remaining. If the gauge goes bad and you you don't have the fuel slip, how much gas do you have in the tank and how long will it be till it runs out was what he would teach me. And in the pits, that was really critical because the pit special that I flew only carried 23 gallons of gas and we were flying it at anywhere between 14 and 20 gallons an hour uh, of burn at, at takeoff power. So if you left the dang thing wide open from takeoff and never started the stopwatch, you could literally be out of gas in just about an hour. And if your flight's 45 minutes and you're coming back with 15 minutes of gas, that's just not, that's not acceptable. So flying in a pits, when you take off with that critical of a fuel situation or any airplane for that matter, hack the stopwatch time your flight from the time you take the runway where you're going to put the maximum power on the airplane and then you can time your whole flight and on our 0.8 flights that I flew in the pits we would I would typically burn about 14 gallons an hour and that gave us about twice as much gas as we needed as I needed and that kept that flight safe so that was the first and most important thing that my dad taught me about flying airplanes is always time the the flight number two Always check your canopies closed and locked. In a pits, you won't get away with it for very long of not latching the canopy. Uh, before you start the engine and all the way till you shut the engine down again, you always have to latch the canopy. And I, I've been around and, and seen the damage that occurs if that canopy doesn't get latched. And my dad had it happen to him. And I've seen it happen to another airplane uh, a B model with uh, with the, the twin the double canopy like I had on my C pits, and if you don't latch the canopy and you push the power up on takeoff because you get a quicker than you thought uh, takeoff clearance, and you throw the power to that thing with the canopy unlatched, it's gone in, a, in just a, about a second, and it hits the tail and it shatters into a million pieces. You close the runway; it's really embarrassing and really expensive. And there is usually a canopy deductible on your insurance for pitses, which says something to the effect of if your canopy comes off the airplane, you're going to be paying for the first $3,500 worth of repair on your aircraft and they'll take care of the rest, which pretty much is the cost of the canopy. So don't do that. Always check your canopy and make sure it's closed and locked before you start the engine. Before you get to the run-up area, because you're going to bring up high power setting for the run-up, and then a third and final time before you take the runway, check and make sure your canopy's closed and latched. And even on a on a Marchetti, we'd always make sure that canopy's closed and locked for takeoff uh, and uh, and make sure it's latched. The third thing is, is always check the battery switches off. 
when you depart the aircraft that you turn the battery and alternator switches off and make sure that everything is 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 depowered. In any airplane, right up to and including airliners, they have a battery switch. And at the last flight of the day, you got to turn the battery switch off so that you can make sure that you don't kill the battery overnight. If something was left on, any galley lights left on, any any flashing low pressure lights on all night long, just leaving the battery switch on on any airplane can cause you a huge, huge repair. And it just happened to uh, us recently with the Waco that we had something going on. Somebody got distracted. The battery got left on, left on for a couple of days. And you come back to a thousand dollar problem when your battery goes completely dead. So uh, make sure your battery switches off, check it, verify it before you walk away from the aircraft. And before you tie it down and, and finally walk away, it's a really expensive mistake. The fourth thing my dad always taught me was to always check your oil level and your fuel quantity and the caps. So if you're flying in a pits, the, 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 the oil has to be above nine quarts before you take it flying. That's the low, the low uh, limit. The top is 12. I tend to run it between 10 and 11 quarts and make sure you got at least nine. Check it every time before you take off and you'll always have proper cooling and lubrication of your of your engine of whatever you're flying and that's just mandatory fuel it's never a uh acceptable behavior to not check your own gas you got to know how much fuel's in the tank before you take off and verify it either with a fuel slip looking in the tank which is my favorite method and in the pits we'd always open the cap up and stick our finger in there and uh, make sure you could feel the fuel because if you couldn't feel the fuel, you weren't sure how much gas you had. And some of the older models, the Pitts has a totalizer, but I still trust it only with the finger and make sure that I could reach the gas if I can. Then I know got a, I got at least 22, maybe 23 gallons of gas in the main tank and always check your own cap to make sure that the cap is all the way down and locked so that it can't come loose. And in an aerobatic airplane, that's particularly critical because the fuel cap, as a friend of mine had happened to him when he was riding with me, was the fuel cap came off on the pits. And the fuel cap, unfortunately, is right in front of the front cockpit. If that cap comes loose or comes off, the fuel streams straight back into the, the canopy and uh, put makes for a very uh, not nice experience. So make sure you're Fuel caps are always secure on whatever aircraft you fly. And in, in on Marchetti, for example, fuel caps on the on the main tanks on a Marchetti, those have to be screwed tight and, and and levers all the way down and locked. Because if you don't do that on a Marchetti, they they can actually come loose enough to allow the low pressure or going over the top of the wing to suck the fuel out. And uh, in a Marchetti with only 13 gallons of gas on the inboard tanks, kind of critical. So that's not good. So uh, number four is check your fuel and oil and your caps. Number five is always take off into the wind. And that it's always, it's a standard, of course, obvious thing for, for people, but um, winds change and you could be taken off to the west for half the day and then the wind could change around and take off to the east later in the day. Always check the windsock as you're taxiing out, figure out which way the wind's blowing and head downwind with the wind on the way to the runway so that you could point into the wind when you take off. 
And I've had this happen to me after multiple legs bringing my pits home from the first purchase that I had. Of course, I'm, I'm overloaded learning a new airplane and multiple landings and, and got fuel somewhere. And I believe that I ended up getting lined up on a intersection of a, of a runway, pointed this thing uh, the wrong direction and took off with a tailwind. And uh, y- you really get surprised when you realize that the runway is uh, a lot shorter and the plane doesn't get airborne very well, taken off with a tailwind. So never do that and uh, learn from my error and my mistakes and always take off into the wind and take off with the longest remaining runway available and use use all the runway. Go to the end and, and use the runway that you have available because there's nothing less embarrassing, of course, than running out of runway or running out of gas. And neither of those are acceptable. So uh, number five, always take off into the wind. If you're not sure, go find the windsock and, and check or, or get the ATIS and make sure that you're actually taking off with a runway that points into the wind. Number six, always check the gear handle is in the down and locked position. Here's an interesting one. If the if you taxi out after an airplane comes out of maintenance and the fuel and the gear handle rather is in the up position because they were cycling the gear up and down, an airplane doesn't really know that it's on the ground or in the air with the switch in the down position, the airplane think the gear would be down, of course. But with the plane sitting on the ground and the handle in the up position, there's a squat switch so that the gear motor won't run with the weight on the wheels. Well, if you didn't check the gear handle to be, in fact, in the down and lock position and it was in the up position, as the airplane gets airborne, it just starts to get the weight off the wheels for the very first time, the motor will start to run and the gear can retract on takeoff. Not good. Embarrassing. And it could happen to you. I've seen it happen to someone that I was very, very uh, respectful of, of course. And it could happen to anyone if it could happen to him. So, um, so that happened to my dad on one of our airplanes. So always make sure that that gear handle is in the down position. Don't be in a hurry, do your proper checks and make sure that every handle is in the right position, especially the gear handle uh, when you're taxiing out, even before you turn the battery switch on, make sure the gear handles in the down position. Uh, The seventh item is to always fly like a pro and observe all rules. He'd always say, observe all rules. In flight and on the ground, my dad stopped at every stop sign. He really did. And uh, he always flew the airplane like a pro. And you could always tell his takeoff. Um, It would always be the same. It would always be nice, smooth, flat rotation to a flying attitude and get the airplane safely airborne with a positive rate. Gear handle comes up, airplane's accelerating, and flaps come up on schedule very, very consistent, very pro, always on center line. And uh, that was a a standard that that he held himself to. And I prided myself in doing that the same way, always flying like a pro, not breaking any rules, not trying to look like a hot shot. I I think that, that we have to lead by example when we fly. So when you're flying airplanes, especially high-profile airplanes, follow all the rules, look like a pro. There are people watching you and they're mimicking you. So 
make us proud. Don't do anything that, that makes you look like you're hot shot in it, hot dog in it, or or looking immature and not professional. So that was a that was a big one for him. The next one is uh, to always check the weather and plan for any contingencies, fuel, weather, uh, things that could change in flight. Always have a plan B for when you fly and always check the weather to make sure before you go that it's going to be safe for you to get up, safe for you to come back. Weather could come in while you're out flying. In Los Angeles, a lot of times what could happen is, is you can get airborne and if it's late in the afternoon, an overcast could creep in while you're out and find yourself in an airplane that is not IFR certified, trapped above an overcast. Not good. So always plan for what your weather is and what you're going to do if, let's say you're flying in and out of a place like Fullerton with a single runway, if someone blows a tire or has an incident at an aircraft at, a, at an airport with only one runway, where are you going to go and are you going to have the fuel to do that? So uh, that was something that he always made me think about and always plan for the possibility of going somewhere else. And in the, in the pits, of course, with your fuel critical situation, it's important to know what you have to deal with and how far you're going to have to go with the fuel you have remaining so you can land safely at an, at a, uh, at a divert airport. The, uh, the last thing that I have here, I believe this is the ninth one is always to check your own aircraft for deficiencies, do your own pre-flight and, that just allows you to give your airplane a good look over to see if there's anything that you need to see before you go. Does it have a bald spot on the tire? The tire pressure are the tire pressures adequate? Does it have the proper oil? Is the proper fuel? Does it have anything going on with it that you need to know about before you fly? And if the airplane is not safe to fly or it has a deficiency that is uh, uncorrectable, and or it has something in the logbook that is unfixable that the plane should not be flying, then you can't fly it. So always check your own aircraft, make sure you're safe, make sure you're legal, and uh, and you'll get much, much more luck with, with aviation. I find that, you know, when you fly a lot, of, a lot of these airplanes, the reason why we do things a certain way and these standard protocols, and we call these standard operating procedures, is to build a habit pattern that you notice something when you start to divert from it. So if you get distracted while you're doing your pre-flight and you don't remember where you were, you start over. That's the way it goes and never be in a hurry. So when you get in a hurry, that's when you start to find yourself making mistakes. So slow and easy, stick to the program, especially when you're around new people that are distracting you. That's, I think that was one of the greatest things that I learned by giving rides and working with my dad for, for 30 years was to we're always on game on and people are watching you and they want to want to learn from you. So while you're, you're showing people the proper way each time you're showing them the proper way and we're not in a hurry. We need to do that every time. And this way you can catch yourself when you're getting distracted and, and to, and to go back a step or two or the beginning, if you couldn't remember and start over, that keeps the thing really much safer and it protects you from, from, the errors that can creep in from not paying attention. So my dad really, really uh, instilled a lot of, a lot of good things in me and the, the skills that he taught me with the tail dragger, I'm forever grateful for. Flying in tail draggers really, really has, has honed my skill that I continue to use to this day in any aircraft that I fly, whether it's the Beach 18, we 
take off and land dead center on the center line. We got the flight controls position just right for the crosswind. When we're coming in with a, a little bit of a, a crosswind, the wing down into the wind, top rudder, we're holding it straight. We're doing a little little slip at the end and carry a little power through the flare, touch down, tail low like the wheel landing, except in the Beach 18, we'd hold the nose off and fly the nose down gently. So everything we did was smooth, professional, by the book, and it really, really uh, affected my my comfort and my confidence with these airplanes. And uh, I'm forever grateful for that. So episode six is complete. I hope you've enjoyed some of the things that my dad taught me uh, about learning to fly and keeping it safe out there. As he would say, keep on flying and we'll see you in the next episode.